Okay, I'm ready. One. Okay, one, two, three. This is Burn This Book, a banned books book club where we, Nicole and Eden, read a banned or challenged book twice a month and discuss its meaning, impact, and censorship to make it more accessible for all readers. This week's book is A Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle. 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 I always said Langle. Langle. Hi. Shoot. <laughs> Which was published in 1962 for young adults. This book has been challenged for two decades since the American Library Association were, began tracking bans and challenges in the 90s. So yeah, this is my second time reading it. Have you read it before, Nicole? Yeah, I'd read it when I was in middle school. My mom was always like, it's such a great book. Mm. But I don't think I really understood it in middle school at all. I think I got kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, but mm-hmm. reading it the second time was like a really powerful experience. Like I was really moved. Yeah, definitely. Like, it's I think it's like top 10 favorite books now. Oh, not, wow. that's not true. Not top 10, but probably top 50, which is still big deal. Big deal. It's definitely a book I would recommend to my daughter when she's older. I feel mm-hmm. like it's a very STEM-oriented book. Uh, yeah, it very is. much like science, math. Like the the main character is a math whiz, but she kind of gets quote unquote lazy about it because she doesn't do it the way her school dictates it. To quickly summarize this book, it's about Meg and her brother, younger brother Charles Wallace. They're two. <laughs> pretty special kids and their dad has been missing for i actually couldn't tell the timeline was it like a year years like it was years like he had never met charles wallace before right who is like five years old at this point and is a prodigy yeah. and genius yeah but then they go on an, a fantastical adventure with some of these beings named mrs what's it mm-hmm. mrs Oh, shoot. I will tell you. One second. It's Mrs. What's It. Oh, gosh. Mrs. Who's It? Okay, Mrs. What's It. <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Mrs. What's It. Mrs. Which. Mrs. Who. Okay. Yep, yep. There we go. Yeah. And, like, what's really incredible is that it's a very much like a young adult novel. It feels very, like... Like, you just have this normal world, and you don't know why Meg's parent, Meg's dad is gone. And then you find out that her younger brother's been hanging out with these, like, this older lady and these other older ladies. Mm-hmm. And they are obviously very magical, kooky people, and they kind of act as, like, this portal into this very, like, interesting world that isn't actually magical. It's all science-based. Mm-hmm. And that's also, as a kid, I was like, what is happening? But yeah, and Mrs. What's It, Mrs. Who, and Mrs. Witch kind of act like, who are those three fairies in, they're kooky, and they like kind of are like, come on, buddy. The fr- three fairies, Flora, Sumphana, and Merryweather in, um, in Sleeping, Sleeping Beauty. Beauty. Yeah, they kind of are like that kind of energy, mm-hmm. where I don't quite know where they come from, how they met Charles Wallace, Yeah, but I know that they're there. Yeah, I've never seen Sleeping Beauty, actually. Wild. That's like one of the only Disney movies, well, classic Disney movies, where they, the female and the male romantic interests 
actually get to know each other before falling, like before getting married or committing themselves. Oh no to. way! Yeah, they like they actually like have a relationship. Oh wow! I uh, know. Is that I crazy? To... And neither of them know that either of them is a prince or a princess. Like they are like, it's kind of a fun surprise at the end for them. Oh, I have to check it out. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I th- yeah. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great. Anyway, sorry, back to this. So back to the summary you were saying. I totally took took you on another path. Oh, no way. No worries. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> it's late when when we're recording this, so we're, we're both a little... And we're both so tired with this so world. so tired. Which, quite frankly, Meg is as well in the yeah, book. Yeah, that's true. Meg, she's like 13? I think so. Yeah, she's tired... The world is hard. She's a math whiz, like you said. She's not doing well in school. Her dad has been gone for a long time. She has this prodigy little brother who everyone thinks is weird. And she's a hot mom. That's something we learned. A hot yeah, science I, mom. <laughs> that's true. And everyone two, at school is, like, really inappropriately approaching her about her father. And, like, yeah. talking about how he's a deadbeat and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, there's a reason why he's not around. He just, like, abandoned them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, Mr. Principal. <laughs> yeah very strange like a lot of adults not even just like other children yeah that was weird it was really Um, strange yeah but they go on this she goes on this adventure with this neighbor boy named calvin who's also very intelligent and her younger brother charles wallace also something to note she has two other brothers that are in between her and charles wallace they're not really part of this adventure Mm -hmm. situation Uh -uh. yeah they go on this adventure with the guidance of mrs who mrs who mrs which and mrs what's it to save her father who is stuck in this other dimension and they use this like this this thing called like the tesseract which is the scientific principle or thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) something in the physics realm that um mr murray meg's dad had been studying And it kind of allows you to jump into, like, yeah, other dimensions or other universes. Yeah. And it's your wrinkling time. So if time was a long line, you're able to jump over the other piece and also assuming time is, like, three-dimensional or something. Mm -hmm. This is where Nicole, especially, like, middle school Nicole reading, was very confused and was like, I'm just going to take it at face value. Move on. Get to the emotional stuff. Mm-hmm. walk away and this time it was much easier but i'm still like i just i don't even have the language to explain it but it, it makes sense as you're reading it and it feels yeah. good yeah. and but and they have to save their dad that's yeah. the whole thing they have to save their dad with that wrinkle in time piece i i don't know if the first time i read it i would have picked up on it but i had watched something where they were talking about wrinkling time and they're like yeah you know like if you fold a piece of paper and like point one end of the paper reaches the other point of the paper and then you can quickly walk off and like into a new onto the other side of the paper anyway that was really they also helpful. explain that and in the book too they do just like yeah the second time reading yeah. it i was yeah. like oh like that was it <laughs> that was the explanation yeah. yeah so there's a lot of like dimension universe jumping kind of thing mm-hmm. and ultimately we find like meg has to like act like go through like a journey of self-actualizing and realizing that she, she is intelligent she is worthwhile she has courage and she like can do hard things and like there's this like evil thing that they don't have it doesn't have a name they like just call it, it i think 
And it's like just evil power and darkness and fear and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's very much like that where there's no choice with those people who have been like seduced by it. Yeah. And through love, Meg ends up being able to like withstand the seduction of it and like isn't ever seduced and is able to like find her dad, bring him back. And then her and then other tr- other issues arise. And we won't spoil it. I mean, I guess we can. We spoiled every single other Every book. single thing. <laughs> but Wrinkle in Time, I know there's a movie, there's a whole thing, but we don't want to tell you. There's just a lot I of rescue. that movie that did not do very well. But yeah, they uh, go yeah. on the rescue. The, yeah, I don't know about that movie. I want to watch it really badly now, though. But I know Ava DuVernay, and they also... It was cool because they had, like... Meg is black in that movie, and so is Mrs. Murray. Chris Pine is her dad in that movie. So and Oprah is one of the what's who's yeah which yeah and Reese so Witherspoon Kaling and Mindy Kaling. Yeah. <laughs> but it's cool because in the book, like there no never is anyone's race noted. Mm-hmm. So that was like a really cool thing to realize. Like oh my gosh, as a white person, I obviously always had imagined Meg as a white girl. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful for. I'm grateful that movies help me to reimagine, and you know, it's just nice. Yeah, it's definitely. nice. It's a nice gift. Nice gift. It, it really is. What surprised me the most this time reading it around was how how very Christian it is, and like to the to the point where I actually felt like I was reading a science version of the Chronicles of Narnia. Mm-hmm. You know, like they mm-hmm. they're these mythical yeah. creatures in another dimension who are quoting the bible yeah like the aunt beast like these yeah these kind of entities of light and love they quoted mm-hmm. like all things good happen to those who love god and so yeah. like, in this interdimensional universe a god exists and yeah it just felt very c.s lewisy i guess yeah, I was really surprised by that too, and it was interesting seeing the blend of science and Christian mm-hmm. thought. Because I was like, I don't really like they're never talk. I don't remember them ever talking about Jesus, but they talk about. But like, because I was like, maybe they're just like religious, you know, or like there's a spiritual element. But you're right; they're quoting the literal Bible, so it has to be Christian because it's yeah. the New Testament that they're quoting. Yeah, right. Is it? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know our <laughs> scriptures very well. No, but, but but that was really surprising. Yeah, yeah. and it, and it's it. So I think I would I picked up on the Christian themes, but Madeline Lengel also talks about like other religious figures, philosophers, scientists, and artists as part of the group that is fighting it, fighting against mm. the darkness. And I really love that too because it's it is that merging of two well, science and religion that Mm -hmm. many people separate, but she melds them into one thing as, as a force together. They're a force against darkness. Like they provide knowledge. They provide the equality without likeness or or was it like, yeah. So it, it was, it was talking about how like it controlled people to be the same and sameness was what was killing, what was causing the darkness in the universe. Mm-hmm. But like, 
Madeline talked about how these religion, yeah, religion and science breaks through that sameness and provides a lot of um, a complexity of thought and variations in types of beliefs and scientific methods that brings light to this world, which I thought was really yeah. beautiful. Well, and I think when you blend both science and religion together, it requires like a, a ton of nuance. Mm-hmm. And it does require a lot of creativity. There is like something that really so there were like a lot of different points in this book that i was like oh oh there was a moment at the end where you feel like when meg is like i can do it and she had like starts off in the book like completely idolizing her father and like if anyone says anything bad about her dad she's super mad then once she's rescued her father and her younger brother charles charles wallace has kind of been like taken by it she gets really mad at her dad because she doesn't feel like he's doing anything and she like is like and I think appropriately frustrated that she feels like she's been abandoned, that she's had to do the raising and that she's having to do the rescuing. And mm-hmm. and that, like, just because she got him didn't make her life easier. Like, it didn't fix everything. Mm-hmm. Having her dad back in her life, like, there were still problems. And she still had to be courageous and, a, you know. And I hate this phrase, but she had to be, like, a big girl. <laughs> like, she couldn't just, like, <laughs> crawl up into his arms. She had to, like, own her life and, and, and move forward. And I, like that was such a, like an important theme, and because I do think that a lot of the time, especially when we've experienced something that is traumatic to our nervous systems, we do think that like oh once it's fixed we'll just be fine, mm-hmm. but we still like it's not gonna fix it always. And then the yeah. other point that I loved um, was how going off on what you were talking about, like how all of these like different groups like there was a like a spiritual component. Have you read the book? inherit the wind or seen the movie or the play it's been a long long time it, and yeah, i actually the, think it's a band book but i'm sure it is because the premise oh, of it is just like yeah it's about the lawyer who is defending okay yeah 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 defending the teacher who taught evolution and this whole town fired the teacher and the teacher sued the town and so he's defending the teacher and being like he's allowed to teach evolution. And they're like, no, he's only allowed to teach creationism. And at the end, he walks up, and in the movie, it's got Spencer, it's Spencer Tracy, so that's fun. But he walks up, and he's holding the Bible and Darwin, and he's putting them together. He's like, why can't they work together? Like, mm-hmm. why, why are we, why can't we, yeah, why can't we just have more nuance in this conversation? And I think that that's also something that Meg had to learn about herself, mm-hmm. that she's not all bad, she's not all good, she's not all these things. That she is just who she is, and that's okay, and she gets to make those choices of who she wants to be and how she wants to act. Yeah. And you also see that point, like, she go, ends up on this, like, planet with Ant Beast. Mm-hmm. Do you remember? Yeah. The, the scripture-quoting creature? The scripture-quoting creature with no eyeballs. Yep. That was, and no mouth. Yeah. Or did, maybe, uh, yeah, no eyeballs. No, they had a mouth. I don't know. They talked out of, like, they had a lot of, like, tentacles or something. Mm-hmm. There was a lot going on, but she really preferred the name Ant Beast. Mm-hmm. When, yeah, I don't know. I really enjoyed that. But anyways, Ant Beast just loved, and all those like creatures on this magnificent planet just loved Meg. And um, at one point, Meg says that she was able to finally rest because she knew that no matter what, she was going to be loved. Yeah. That no matter what her response was to something, that Ant Beast was going to love her. Yeah. And it was that idea that, like, through unconditional love, 
Meg was able to actually breathe and become the person that she needed to be in order to save her younger brother. And she was able to be mad at her dad, and Aunt B still loved her. Yeah. She was able to be mad at the situation, and Aunt B still loved her. And she was able to, like, be afraid and not want to show up, and Aunt B still loved her. And that, in that moment, I was like, ugh. And that's such, like, a nuanced perspective, because Aunt Beast was clearly all science, like, very scientific, understood everything, but also was quoting scripture mm-hmm. in a way that didn't feel cheesy to me, or didn't feel, like, it was just all about... Yeah, like there's good and there's evil, and we we get to choose how we navigate that. Definitely, a hundred percent. And I, I I wrote this part down in my notes. I I wrote I love that this book encourages Meg, and therefore other girls to get angry and to use that anger in their fight against evil. I think like this is mm. so many messages in society from the beginning of the world on. Is that, <laughs> like, when a woman gets mad, then, like, they're unreasonable, hysterical, etc. Mm-hmm. But this one really encourages and cultivates that. And to what you were saying, doesn't make you any less worthy of love. You're, you're using that anger, rightfully so, in this fight against evil. Whatever Pause. that evil is. Yes. Yeah, since the, since the dawn of time, women have been looked down upon if they've ever gotten angry about anything Mm -hmm. and we've been written off because oh they're just hysterical even the word hysterical has a lot of historical meaning behind Mm -hmm. that and where hysterectomy and like the root of hysterectomy and hysterical are the same anyway yeah yeah, I just love that it encourages Meg to get angry and to use that anger and she's not any less worthy of love from a magnificent creature like um, if she gets yeah. angry in this as long as it's like for well I don't even want to caveat it with as long as but in her fight against what she believes is evil and yeah 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 well I also think like I think that there is um, I think that there's a space like you just see so much like movement of emotions throughout this book because she's so desperate, she's so hungry for validation and for affirmation. She doesn't feel pretty. She's aware that her mom's so pretty. She doesn't feel smart. She's aware Charles Wallace is smart. She doesn't feel all of these things. And through this journey, though, she like she has to realize that like those comparisons don't matter. And she goes from being like lonely, sad, all of those things, like incredibly loving and idealizing of her dad and her mom to bring them down to earth, having that, like, come to Jesus moment, and not literally, but, like, you know, about, like, how her family is imperfect. Mm-hmm. Her younger brother, who she also kind of idolizes and puts on a pedestal, he's the most susceptible to the evil because of his pride, because he's so smart. Yeah. <laughs> like, a five-year-old. she has to realize, yeah, she has to realize all this stuff about all these people and, like, grapple with all these really hard, kind of adult realizations and in the end, like, the only thing, the only antidote and the only salve for all of it is just love. Mm-hmm. And she learns that it's patterned by Aunt Beast. It doesn't just come out of nowhere for her. And yeah. I thought that was a really good lesson is, that, like, it was patterned by Aunt Beast. And then she's able to deliver that to other people. And something that I've also been thinking about is, like, in, a, in my quest to be more of a feminist in giving you know, and giving men space to feel all of the emotion and to be human beings, 
giving women space to do that too and all of that. It's like, there's, it's really hard for women and stories about women who are going to conquer big things like Meg to, like, they, we often don't have representations of people who do love with purity mm-hmm. and, you know, without caveats. And so having that representation with Beast and then seeing that learned behavior again with Meg at the end is like, it's pretty good writing. It's pretty good storytelling. Yeah. My gosh, because like... We just, we never get to see that modeling. Yeah. Yeah. They're just usually like, well, the girl, it's just going to happen because the girl's good at it because she's a girl. Yeah. Which is very patriarchal belief system. Like, girls and boys have just as much capacity to love. Mm -hmm. But we assume girls are just more natural at it, which is not true. Yeah. Um, But, like, I thought that was so great. And, like, you also see Calvin, her next-door neighbor, who's, like, kind of a hot boy. They, They become, like, romantic interests. And, like... So not only is she in a space where she can receive love from her dad and from her family, but she can also receive and give love to Calvin, too, in a way that's, like, very pure and very sweet. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, a nice thing also to see. Like, there wasn't the high school dynamic or whatever, junior high dynamic that they were in. Yeah. There were just a lot of pieces about love that I was like, this is a really great modeling, and it doesn't feel too mature, and it doesn't feel too immature. It just feels like really great modeling for a kid. It really does. Yeah. And, and I think there's some purpose to Madeline making it a giant brain. Because it, it mm, like, to go yeah. off of what you're saying, like, it almost feels like she's saying, oh, like, to have a brain without love is to introduce darkness into the world. Like, that Ooh. love, <laughs> that love brings like allows for that nuance and it allows for anger allows for all these emotions that we name that we label negative quote unquote um but like if it was just a brain running things then we'd all be going outside of the we'd all be the same and we'd all go out at the same time and bounce Mm. the basketball the same way and yeah just lack of choice or anything and not allowing for that nuance in in each other yeah, because love does perpetuate freedom of, like, those who you love. Like, you mm-hmm. want other people to be able to do what they want to do. Yeah. And also, like, yeah, and love also, like, I don't, I'd be curious what people would say, because we're no scholars on the topic, but I do feel like love also enables creativity, because creativity, I think, you have to have a level of compassion in order to be creative, in my opinion, like... You have to be able to imagine other things mm-hmm. and step into other spaces in order to create. Yeah. Definitely. That's such an interesting idea. It was also very Lord of the Rings, too, because you know how yeah. there's like Sar- Sauron and then the mouth of Sauron comes out in The Return of the King. And so you had that with the guy with the red eyes. There was a guy with the red eyes that came out and was like the mouthpiece of it in the book oh, yeah, do you yeah, remember yeah. him he was mm-hmm. freaky and like there were just a lot of different like people who were like channeling it for or the darkness to meg to communicate to meg mm-hmm. that the battle or whatever was on and i thought <laughs> it was pretty fun and something that was interesting too was that madeline lingle lingle langle when she <laughs> she said that when she was writing the book 
that a lot of people were like, it's too, no one's going to understand that kids aren't going to like it. Like, this isn't a good book for kids. But she'd written it with her kids. Like, she would tell them the stories as she was writing it, and they would, like, give her pointers and ideas, and they were, like, involved. So Mm. she was like, obviously, it's a good idea. Like, my kids (laughs) like it. So other kids will like it. Yeah. And I do think that's true. Like, I didn't have to understand all the science when I was, like, a kid to, like, have enjoyed the book. It was a good ride. And as an adult, like, I love it even more now. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I need to read it. I want to read it, like, every 10 years just as, like, a good, like, checking point of, like, am I prioritizing love in my interactions with people? Like, Yeah. Yeah. How am I, how am I working on that? I love that. Yeah, in my, in the introduction of the copy that I had, someone wrote fan mail and they, they wrote to Madeline this is not a kid's book. This book has no limits. Like, that's so beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful piece of fan mail. No. But it's interesting because Madeline actually targeted the age 8 to 12. But then everyone else is like, oh, like, this is, like, above that level. Yeah, I'm surprised. Eight-year-olds. Yeah. And Madeline also said it's because she get she got that criticism that it's much too hard for kids. But she... She her response was it's not too difficult for kids it's too difficult for grown-ups too many grown-ups put themselves in little rooms with windows that don't open and doors that are locked <laughs> and they don't want and they want to close them off themselves off from any new ideas I'm like ooh burn <laughs> ooh yeah good one maddie <laughs> yeah no that's good what was like on that same note too like i don't feel like she dumbs down no so there's I mean, no dumbing down at all phone call no, she doesn't dumb down, dumb it down at all for kids. And also, I think she she looks at, like, the way she even wrote Charles Wallace and the way that she wrote Meg and Calvin was like, these are just really smart kids. And yeah. I think that she plays into that role of, like, no, my readers are smart kids. Like, they're smart people, even yeah. though they're little kids. And something interesting, too, in an analysis I was listening to was that Mrs. Marie, Meg's mom, when mm-hmm. she's talking about Charles Wallace, she refers to Charles Wallace that he, as he's new. That's what she says, because he's, mm. he's new. Mm-hmm. He's like a new thing. So it's like, there's an interesting question of like, is she saying Charles Wallace is like, not normal, like not human? Yeah. <laughs> or is he like, yeah, is he like this new type of person? And was he created in a, you know, is, is he a scientific creation or what's going on there? And so like, there's a lot of questions about that, but like, you can see how she is very, like, she's just very trust, she's very trusting of her readers. Yeah. And to the point where she even makes Charles Wallace, like, this crazy, we don't, like, we don't quite understand what's going on with Charles Wallace's brilliance, but he's very smart and he's a very little kid. Mm-hmm. But as a reader, when I was a kid, I didn't think he, that was, like, a crazy point. You know, I didn't yeah. think it was a weird idea. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, he's probably a freak. He's probably, like, a... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> freak show. Freak wharf. He's probably a, you know, like a science, like he's a product of something scientific or strange. And maybe he's not, but like the analysis was like, as adults, I think we assume he's got to be. That's what Mrs. Murray meant by saying he's new. Mm-hmm. But as kids, we just were like, oh no, he's just a really smart kid. Yeah. And I think that's really interesting. Why do we need to dumb down kids in our minds? Like, why don't we assume they're smart? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know either. Um, I watched a movie on the plane ride home called Come On, Come On. Have, oh. you, have you heard of that? Or I've heard it? about it. That's what? the one with Joaquin. Uh-huh, with Joaquin. Yeah. But that is also another piece of media Joaquin that's Phoenix. like, 
Joaquin Phoenix for for those of you listening. That is another piece of media that really just highlights that kids just know things. Like kids are aware of their surroundings. Kids Mm -hmm. know when something's off. And yeah, kids are much more capable than we give them credit for. Yeah, completely. And I, I think that doesn't that that doesn't mean that we have to give them all of like our problems and treat them like adults, but I think it means that we need to like give dignity to the fact that they're they that they are in on it a little bit more than we think that they are. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I just I think recall time was so great. What another thing that I loved was Ava Davernay said that her father had died like right before she was asked to direct this movie. Mm. And which is like a really interesting oh, thing. Yeah. And her father was like her was a really big deal for her. And when she was slated to direct and the news went out, she got a lot of letters from people being like this book changed my life. This book saved my life. And it was people from like all different walks of life, all different ethnic groups, all different across uh, the world. neighborhoods yeah. across the world saying things like this book changed my life and to like to to think about writing this book after you've lost a parent is very humbling and very tender. I mean, mm-hmm. directing this movie after you've lost a parent, or yeah, reading this book, not writing this book. Either way, this book, like in challenging loss and how we normally look at loss, and like I don't know, I like the idea of thinking that my a loved one has just tesseracted, yeah, to another space, you know. Mm-hmm. I also love the idea of like of that there's all these different universes and galaxies that where you know there's a lot of beasts and things that love me and love my family and want to care for them. Yeah. There's yeah, there's a lot of cute cute little pieces, cute little knickknacks. Yeah. And loves in a way that is so like that we probably might not have experienced yet before on this yeah. earth. Yeah. And it makes it also feel like it's possible to love in such an unconditional way. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, that we just haven't reached that point yet. Yeah. As a society, because we're not very good at that. We're just not very good at that. We're not very um, good I don't have anything else to say. I thought I had a lot of things to say. And I, I think that's also kind of a testament to this book, is, like, there just isn't anything to say. Like, you just have to read it. Yeah. It's really beautiful. Like, nothing I'm going to say is going to be, like... He's going to be like, yeah, awesome. Like, it's just, everything I'm saying is stupid. Yeah. But the book, because, and the book is just so beautiful. It's a big book, and I did not have that, I didn't know it was until mm-hmm. this read. Big book in, in terms of, like, thematic Emotions. Emotions. Yeah, thematically, emotions. Because it's also, actually quite it's a, a short part book. part of a series. <laughs> yeah, it's a short book, very readable. And also, it's part of a series, which I didn't know that either. Oh, I, I never read that. that. Yeah, so I want to read the rest of them. Like, there's a whole thing, like... Meg gets married to Calvin and, like, things, like, they have kids and, like, you read about their kids and, like, it just keeps going and going. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? I didn't That's know any so of cool. that. I did know a little bit of, I didn't realize it was, like, a series afterwards. I thought it was just, like, another story that she had written. Because there's a whole afterword in mine that I probably should yes. not have read because Ooh. it tells me the reason why it was banned. So I'm not going to be ending fun in this guessing part. <laughs> okay, well, all right, so let's let's talk about it. Yeah. Oh, wait. Also, you're right, though. Okay, I'm looking at an analysis just on SparkNotes, which is a great tool, honestly, everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what, back to the Christianity bit. Yeah, Jesus is the first figure that Mrs. Wetzel cites as a fighter against the dark thing, against it. Mm. And then Mrs. Who quotes the New Testament. 
And then Mrs. Watson uses the prophet Isaiah in describing things. And then Mrs. Who also quotes Saint quotes Paul. But there's like a lot, which is really interesting. Also, one more thing. Mrs. Who, Mrs. What's It, and Mrs. Witch, like, it, there's, it, it's shown that, like, one of, like, they used to be stars, and oh, that, yeah. that journey of no longer being a star, of, like, exploding, was, like, pretty traumatic, like, that they're still recovering, or, like, each of them is still, like, in their life cycle of, like, their journey of, like, from being a star to what they are, and, like, they're not done developing mm-hmm. into what they will be. One is, like, a lot younger, and one doesn't speak with, like, their original words. They are always quoting things because they just haven't found the words to, mm. fi- to communicate. Like Right, yeah. But, like, there's just a lot of growth happening on all of these different characters. It's really interesting to me, and I like it. I don't know what to say about it, but I like it. Yeah. It's very... It makes me feel like I can keep growing. Maybe I'm a star, and I'm going to explode eventually and become a Mrs. Witch or whatever, and... Yeah. Yeah, it's very cute. It's very interesting, and there's just like yeah, the yeah, I just and, love and it. And maybe I they're on the their book. way to being aunt beasts, like yeah, they're just on this life cycle, like on this trajectory to becoming beings full of love. Completely, completely. One thing yeah. I want to bring up before it. we dive into the yeah. the band conversation, I I wrote this down in my notes, and I really loved. In the book, they talked about how our lives are sonnets where the form is strict, but the rules are loose mm. in what you write within those and within the form, which I think is Ooh. like really beautiful. Like going back to like the conversation about love versus a brain without love and also sameness and likeness and whatever, like so much creativity can come from parameters i guess yeah and like our parameters in in this universe is that we are born then we live and then we die like and what we do yeah it just like brings a lot of focus into the life that we are living today it's like what are we like what are we going to write in the sonnet that is our life Mm. I love that. Yeah, that's a good quote. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Rich. Mm. Story. <laughs> Madeline. Mm. Mm. Madeline. <laughs> or Madeline. Madeline? I don't know. Madeline? Madeline? It's probably Madeline. We... Ma- <sighs> Maddie. Mads. Mads. Madge. No, Madge. Madge. Margaret. Okay, right, do so you have any guesses on why it was banned? I think because she's in trouble. She's in danger. It's scary. I don't know. She's she's also insubordinate to her teachers. Like she keeps getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. That's my guess. Okay, I'll let you know what the afterward said. It was too hard to read. Ban it because it was too hard. There was just like, oh, like this probably shouldn't be in this school library because it's like the age group is in the right age group. So okay. that was one reason. Witchcraft and new age spirituality. I think they saw uh-huh. the the W's as witch yeah obviously yeah, yeah. mrs witch that is yep. who witch where, where, where yeah it's the yeah, yeah yeah that's the w's some people thought it was too overtly christian other people thought it was anti-christian what yeah that's funny that's pretty fun yeah like, you might as well kill two birds with the same stone and she clearly did that that's awesome yeah. <laughs> that is awesome you're too christian and not 
and two not Christian. Yeah. Which is which is so interesting because like the main vibe I got was Chronicles of Narnia, and which is yeah, I'm like oh I yeah, got, this is like pretty heartfelt yeah. Christian. I didn't feel like it was necessarily Christian, but I felt like it was religious. Like I got the feeling like oh this, but because I also didn't put it together that it was the New Testament mm. and that they, you know I was just like yeah, it's just a really like they're they're just pulling like relevant spiritual things to the very western audience but i didn't think it was but now that i'm thinking like oh yeah a lot of new testament clearly very christian Mm -hmm. clearly 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 and essentially they angered the same antagonist as the future harry potter yeah they do yeah good times you know witchcraft which is pretty cool yeah (laughs) Richcraft at yeah, Richcraft. 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 That's crazy. I wonder which states said which thing. Like if Ooh. if it was like a southern state that said it was anti-Christian, or if it was like a really liberal New Englandy kind of state that was like it's too Christian. Yeah. Like I wonder if there's like a if we could look at like how the politics of each of those locations. Let me see if I can. Hmm. Oh. What? Um, according to USA Today, the novel was challenged in a school district in the state of Alabama due to the books listing the name of Jesus Christ together with the name of great artists, philosophers, scientists, and religious leaders when referring to those who defend earth against evil. Oh my gosh. And then in Florida, parents claimed that the novel promoted witchcraft. Now, here is a great example of not reading the book that <laughs> you're trying to ban. Yeah, there's no witchcraft in it. Yeah. I. It's all science. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, maybe fantastical science. I don't... Yeah. Actually, I wouldn't even say it's fantastical science. I bet science... Scientists have already talked about, like, this idea of jumping dimensions. I mean, I hope anyway. so. If they yeah. haven't... We've got a few letters to write. Yeah. No, I'm sure. And I also think, like, well, isn't that what physics is all about, is understanding the physical plane? I'm just saying stuff. I don't yeah. know anything. Here's the thing. I really the... passed that class. <laughs> yeah. This is probably my physics class was a bust when I was in high school because my teacher was sick. So we had to have substitute teachers every time we had the class. Um, but they were not consistent. And so we did not learn physics that year. Yeah. No, that's believable. My physics experience was actually really awesome. My teacher was like a cool scientist lady and she went to, she'd like lived in Antarctica, like studying. Oh, that's fun. She'd come, she was very passionate about penguins and stuff. That's And that they were all dying. Oh, no. Yeah, it was sad. But yeah, she was really cool. But I like, I just... I really fed into that stereotype that, like, oh, I, I'm not going to be able to learn science. I'm not good at science. Yeah. And so I didn't try at all, which is sad. Because if I had tried, maybe I'd understand this book better. Mm-hmm. I know. Maybe if it I... is promoting witchcraft, and we just don't understand science. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we Witchcraft it is just science. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I see witchcraft that. is science. Yeah. It's yeah, like, oh, yeah, biology. We're actually just terrible witchcraft. readers. Yeah. <laughs> 
The author said regarding all the book bans and challenges,、uh-huh. she said, It seems people are willing to damn the book without reading it. Nonsense about witchcraft and fantasy. First, I felt horror, then anger, and finally, I said, Ah, the hell with it. <laughs> It's great publicity, <laughs> really. <laughs> Honestly, she went through that evolution of emotion, just like Meg did. Yep. All the stuff. Yeah, it is great publicity. I mean, a lot, I'm sure a lot more people in that school district, like in those districts, learned that this book existed.、So. Yeah. Bravo. 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 Yeah. And way to go. Maybe now my new goal is to write something that is both Christ- too Christian and anti Christian. I love that. I'm very curious how you'll go about it. Me too.、So、I'll just,、uh, just plagiarize a wrinkle in time. We love that. We、yeah. love that. <laughs> Just change the names. Yeah, exactly. Meg to egg. Her? Her? <laughs> yeah, it's easy. Easy peasy. Easy peasy.、Um, yeah, I love this book. 10 out of 10. Yeah,、um, it's pretty great. I'm sorry I didn't have more interesting. I really thought I had interesting things to say. I think you did、so、have had, interesting things、I、to say. I had a lot of passionate feelings about it, but.、Ooh. Those are all welcome. Oh my gosh, thank you, Eden. Okay, let us pause this one. I think we're good. I、awesome. think we're good? I think we're, I think we're good. Okay, I'm gonna stop. Burn This Book is produced by us, Nicola Corin and Eden Nguyen. Music written by me, Nicola Corin, and produced and performed by my dad, Frank.